Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today we have the audio from our May 29th meetup with Jeff Sampsono of the Edmontonian Media Co. on the topic of asking good questions. Many thanks to Alberta Beer Festivals for providing the door prizes for our meetup. You can find out more about them at albertabeerfestivals.com. Thanks also to Cafe Risto, which catered the event, and you can find them at caferista.ca. And thanks to Variant Edition for hosting the meetup and recording it, and you can find them at variantedmonton.com. Now on with the show. Please welcome our guest today, Jeff Sampsono, is a passionate uh, is passionate about community connection and communication, and those are not just words that I stole from his LinkedIn profile, although I did steal them from his LinkedIn profile, um, but they're true. Uh, he lives those values as product strategist at Post Media Labs, where he heads the Capital Ideas Project in Edmonton and Calgary, and part of that work in, has involved interviewing entrepreneurs in front of a live audience and in pre-interviews in preparation for that um, live show. Before he came to Capital Ideas, he was a broadcast journalist and the Bureau Manager for Accessible Media's Edmonton and Winnipeg offices, leading video and audio production teams capturing stories of and about Canadians with disabilities. And I first got to know Jeff when he and his partner Sally Polson were running the Edmontonian, which is one of the pioneers in Edmonton's uh, blogosphere and the source of a great diaspora of Edmonton talent that is still creating amazing blogs and podcasts. I hope you are super proud of that because all your children are out there making these, <laughs> this stuff. Uh, the Edmontonian gave way to the Edmontonian Media Company, whose latest project is The Underdogs of Comedy, which is a six-part web series on indie comedians in Edmonton. Please welcome Jeff. Okay, so you are like me. You came to the question-asking game through journalism. So let's just tell us how and why you first got into journalism. Uh, I, I sort of got into journalism because that was where I did a co-op placement in high school at our local newspaper, which was like a twice-a-week paper in a small city in Ontario. And then I got into broadcast journalism because the editor of the paper said, how do you feel like, you know, it feels like you're kind of bored with some of this stuff. Like, I don't think you're going to have fun in newspapers. You should go into broadcast. Uh, and then I just applied at schools, and that's kind of how I ended up there. And, uh, and then bounced around to, to Winnipeg and Toronto and out here. So it, uh, it's been fun because broadcast uh, is fun. And, I mean, journalism and, is great if you're interested in stuff that's going on or talking to people or learning something new pretty much every day that you're working. Mm-hmm. You're also blessed with a nice voice. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> now people say that, but when I hear it, as everybody in the room probably knows, when you hear your own voice, it doesn't sound as good as if people say you have a good voice. You know, there were a couple of good voices in here too. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. I, I, I still have enough of a little girl voice that I can fool telemarketers into asking me if my mom is wrong. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is your process for preparing questions for, say, your Capital Ideas guests? For Capital Ideas, it does come from that sort of journalism background of, of preparation or pre-interview. I mean, Karen started Capital Ideas, so it's kind of basically what Karen was doing uh, <laughs> is the basic answer. Um, but it is. It's essentially um, once the panelists are determined, 
Um, so much like in journalism, once it's kind of determined who you're going to be talking to that day or stories you're doing, um, a bit of research um, on who they are, their business. Um, uh, you know, sometimes they've come to notice because there was a story on them or they're, you know, in the avenue top 40 under 40 or you've just kind of become aware of them through other relationships. So you might know a little bit about them, but, you know, it is great now to just hit up LinkedIn, hit up Google, check out, uh, in this case, the business owners' websites. Um, and then sometimes they, if they're tweeting or doing social media themselves personally, especially, you can kind of get a little bit of a sense of who they are. Uh, and then at Capital Ideas, we have a topic each month. So a lot of the questions will be related to that. So if it's about funding or financing a business, questions, some of them broad, about maybe how they got there, um, and then do a bit of a pre-interview with them to do those broad questions, which then gets them to start telling more specific stories about how they first got the first loan or when they ran out of money, what did they do? Um, and then that stuff that I kind of take some, some notes on. And then from that pre-interview, which maybe is a half hour at most, uh, taking those notes from those some of those broader questions and some of the really kind of good nuggets that they've shared, um, to then use those for the questions that I ask at the actual panel in front of everybody, which is really more of I'm trying to hint to, to get them to say those great stories that they had already shared with me so that in the room, it's basically like I get to sit up there and say, hey, person X, tell us all the great things that you've done. And, you know, with a, a hint at in the way I phrase the question, like, you know, some things that they had mentioned, I can use kind of like triggers that hopefully they remember, oh, yeah, that's the thing I like to talk about when somebody asks me that. Yeah. So it's kind of a fine line to walk because you want things to be spontaneous, but you also want the performance to be strong, right? And you don't yeah. necessarily, especially when you're doing a live <laughs> Um, a live recording or for many of us we're kind of doing live to tape recording we're not doing a whole lot of editing afterwards um, you kind of want to ask questions that you know the answer to already yeah in a way that's I mean a capital ideas that's a lot of what we're doing is sort of I'm asking questions that I kind of know what they'll say or, or where they may go with the answer um, especially if there's a really great thing like uh, last month we did uh, company culture and we had on one of the co-owners of Alley Cat Beer. And he had there's a great story about when they were doing their grapefruit beer that the staff were literally like hand squeezing all the grapefruits to get it into the mix. And so I don't want to say, tell us that great story about staff hand squeezing all the grapefruits. But I, I can kind of say, you know, well, we're talking about, you know, what it means to be part of Alley Cat and, you know, People, they don't have to prove that they want to be there, but there's a lot of proof that people really enjoy working there. Like, you know, when you guys first had your grapefruit beer, why don't you tell everybody kind of what you saw, the, the team coming together? And then I've triggered, you know, in this case, the, the interview subject to tell that really great story because they'll tell it better than, than I will. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's trying to lead a little bit in, in that format it is. Um, to sort of get at those really great examples so that when they're speaking to the other business owners in the room, people get takeaways. Yeah. Um, and, and that comes from that first pre-interview, which is really broad questions to you know, get a better sense of who they are and some of the things they've come through. And then once you've done a bit of that research and have those broader questions answered, you get the specifics so that when we sit down and we do the panel, much like sitting down to record, you know some great things that you're going to be able to kind of get at. Yeah. 
Do you have a, any rules that you follow when you're crafting questions so that you get the best answer possible? Um, I think try and let them feel like you, you know what you're asking. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, it's great to ask very broad, general questions. And depending on the, the format or the time, um, I think that really works. Um, certainly coming from the journalism background, that you do have to kind of know what you're asking and why um, to certain people. Um, I feel the same thing with capital ideas, that I'm not particularly, you know, well-versed in business or running a business. So I have to kind of let the business owners feel like I know something of which they speak. Um, and, and it is sort of like doing a bit of that research, Googling, finding some things out so that I can ask a little bit more specific questions. So instead of just saying to somebody, you know, how did you get money for your business? I can say, you know, how did that crowdfunding campaign go for your business? And then they'll talk about that, but then we can sort of take that into other portions of where they got their funding and financing as they started. So having like a little couple of little factoids, I guess, or nuggets of knowing what this person is about, um, I think that really helps to then, even if you're asking kind of broader questions, you can you can give them something that makes them feel like you know who they are and what they're about a little bit. And then I think that relaxes people. And then if they really like talking about that thing, they're really going to get going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So reaching back to your broadcast journalism days, is there a difference between the kind of questions that you would ask to get good clips for a story as opposed to the kinds of questions you would ask to put on a good live interview? Uh, yes, because I think um, a lot of, especially daily journalism, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, you know, you usually know what the story is, so you're just going in to essentially get the quotes you think you're going to get. Or if you're dealing with people who have their kind of talking points, they know what they're going to say. And sometimes, depending on the situation, it's hard to get them off those talking points, um, which I would say we all kind of have our talking points, right? If I'm asked to be on a podcast about Doctor Who, I'm going to be ready to just talk about Doctor Who. So it's it's up to them, the hosts, to get you off that topic if that's what they want. Yeah. Um, um, and it's just knowing some of those things because everybody, you know, you, you come here today, I've been thinking, like, what am I going to talk about? Asking questions. So I'm thinking about things I remember from journalism school and being a journalist. And, and then it's kind of up to Karen to to get me to, to share things that are not just what I would say in five different interviews that are exactly like this. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's very different than I think the live panel situation and the live discussion, you kind of want it to be a conversation. Um, so you have to kind of know more things about the person you're asking, um, know things uh, about the things they may actually talk about. Um, so if they're talking about different forms of funding as a business owner, I should have some sense of the things they're going to talk about. Like I should know that this business owner did some crowdfunding, has been to the bank, so they probably have a bank loan, maybe a line of credit, and now they tapped into you know uh, a community grant or something. So that when they start talking about that, if they say something really interesting, that I want to do a follow up question on, that I can kind of get into that. And um, yeah, so it's it's a little bit different than just trying to get a couple of clips or quotes. Yeah to fill in a story um, as opposed to having like that live interactive kind of conversation that 
you probably have some sense of where it's got to go or where you want it to go. And then being able to be kind of a bit flexible when a really interesting thing gets said and you want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you remind me a little bit of a pitfall that I fall into sometimes when I know when I've done so much research. I hear myself kind of asking questions like Chris Barley used to. And that, remember that sketch? <laughs> remember that time when you did that thing? Right? <laughs> um, do you have to stop yourself from getting to the point where you and your guest are just having an inside baseball conversation that nobody else can uh, understand? Yeah, I think I'm lucky at Capital Ideas not being like a business owner that I'm not going to get too easily sucked into the inside baseball because I need them to explain those things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get that kind of explained to the, the audience if it needs be. Um, one thing I really like, it's kind of news-based, but I think it works for any um, any topic-based conversation, especially if we're thinking about podcasts that have the same kind of topic and a lot of similar kind of discussions just with different people. Is, um, there's a, a news anchor named Steve Pakin who hosts The Agenda on TVO, TV Ontario. And that show, which is available on podcast, um, he has sort of a no acronym rule. And I think stuff like that's really helpful. So in the Capital Ideas sense, if they mention a bank loan or something by an acronym, if they don't sort of follow up and explain what that is, even just briefly... Um, then I can ask that, like, oh, that, do you mean this bank loan? Or I'm, I'm not familiar with that, so I can look like the guy that doesn't know anything, even though there's probably people in the audience who may not know. Um, and same thing in the conversation of a podcast. If you don't know something, I think it's really fair to ask that and have that explained because I think that's better than an acronym or a very specific or, you know, super 10 percenter or one percenter kind of reference that people in the audience might not get and i don't think you want to leave people feeling like this isn't for me i don't get what they're talking about i don't know these things so in the business sense of capital ideas you don't i don't think you want to leave people feeling like they don't know enough to run their business or they don't know enough to start a business um and certainly for topic-based stuff um i think you want to be as inclusive as possible to somebody who's just come into that world or somebody who's been in that world their whole life and knows all of the really specific and rare kind of mentions or references. Yeah. What do you? What mistakes do you hear interviewers make when you're listening? Um, probably making it obvious that you don't really know who you're talking to. <clears throat> it's definitely uh, a problem in in media in in like news media, whether it's through cuts or you know, resourcing cuts or just the particular person doing the interview has no real sense of what the story is. Um, And I'm sure I did that when I was a new reporter who moved to Winnipeg from Ontario and had very little knowledge of Winnipeg Mm -hmm. um, and the people that I'd be interviewing. Um, So, yeah, I think it's if you ask questions that and I mean, you can kind of sense it when you ask it and you see kind of the person's reaction like, like, why are you asking me that? Yeah. Like, you know, or I already mentioned that in the last little bit we were talking, and but you're just clearly reading off of your, you know, five or ten questions that you pre- pre-prepared. So I think being in that moment more so that you are having a conversation so that even if you've got pre-prepared questions to just ignore them at some points or say, no, nope, we got to that good enough. Or, you know, we kind of got to that one. 
it's not exactly what I was looking for, but we sort of touched upon it. I don't want to dwell upon it. Um, and it's not so much probably a problem for podcasting since you've likely asked a person to come. But yeah, I think trying to interview somebody that you have no idea why you're interviewing them. Um, and then if you're doing that and if you're doing kind of like a live on the red carpet or that kind of thing, um, if you're at an event that's related to your podcast and you're trying to do those kind of off the cuff interviews, um, I think, again, it comes back to like, well, why are you there? You probably know why you're there and the kinds of things that the people you're going to be interviewing would know about or why they're there and, you know, making it, you know, making it real in that way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you know why you're there, you know why they're there. Let's just ask questions about, you know, what their favorite comic might be or what their favorite movie is or what's what's the thing that's got them excited at this festival or event so that it's it's sort of broad because maybe you don't know this person who just walked up in your line of interviews. But likely the way you've asked that, because it's specific about the time and place you're at, you still get like a real, a real answer. Yeah. Is there any other mistakes that you hear that you would like people to stop making? <laughs> stop making? <laughs> uh, I find it difficult, and I'm, I'm ignoring this side of the room a little bit, because I find it difficult when people, in a microphone sense, are not talking into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it happens. It happens definitely more in like live situations. I mean, that's probably a radio background kind of pet peeve because, you know, I would get upset when the newspaper reporters would start talking over somebody's answers. And it's like, I need this clip to just be a <laughs> clip of the person talking. Newspaper guy, figure it out. Um, they probably know that a little bit more now that they're actually doing more audio and video in all forms of media. But, um, yeah, I think certainly not talking anywhere near a microphone is is aggravating to me I, and I've listened to podcasts you know particularly that have done that and unless the topic and subject matter is something I really 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 want to listen to I find that a bit difficult um, so yeah. so I'm sorry to this side of the room okay. even though this particular microphone probably picks up pretty well if I'm facing that way it's just to force a habit that I'm going to keep looking I won't be able I won't be able to turn away from this anything else that you'd like to share before we open it up to questions about how to ask good questions yeah I think I think my big thing is just like a bit of the research and it was a good reminder coming to capital ideas and the the template that you had kind of built in there to do that pre-interview because um, I had been running uh, a couple of bureaus for a national broadcaster and not doing as much kind of content on a regular basis myself anymore. So I got out of some of those habits. Um, but I think that's really helpful. And even if it's some exchanges through email, um, I think that stuff really helps build what you're going to be able to talk about when you get in there. Um, and there's so much stuff available by by Googling now and mm -hmm. checking people's social media, LinkedIn's, everything else out, or their own like blog, podcast stuff that they're doing, um, that it's it's much easier now to have a sense of who that person is you're going to talk to and like what are the things you might talk about. And um, the thing that sticks out to me that coming here today, I was like had triggered my memory from school, from journalism school was. You know, we had to do a profile of somebody, and the first step of that was interviewing all kinds of people that knew that person. The last person that was interviewed was the actual person you were profiling. Because by that point, by talking to all these other people, and now you can kind of cover that with all that Googling, you knew who that person was and kind of really, I mean, you thought they might be an interesting person to profile, but now by talking to their friends, coworkers, 
you knew so much more about why this was going to be a good person to profile. So I think having a little bit of background is probably what makes interviews uh, much better. Yeah. What questions do you guys have? Eric? Um, so I, I love the idea of the pre-interview and, and the research and stuff, but uh, for a smaller podcast starting out, you won't necessarily get a chance to do a pre-interview with, you know, if you get like a big star or something. So the online research is great. But what if you are interviewing someone who's local, who runs a local company, doesn't have much on the, in, on the internet, that you know, you've done all you can, you haven't found very much. Do you have strategies for teasing out that information in the course of the interview? There's probably a reason you want to talk to them, um, that they came to your attention. So that's great. That's a great step one. Um, and I think that's a great advantage to kind of having an interview show or a podcast where you're kind of like, you get to choose who you're going to talk to. So the things that brought them to your attention, I think, are that that's a bit of research right there. Um, and then if it's a business, I mean, you might be able to find some stuff out online about it. Um, even if it's like Yelp reviews or something, I can give you some insights um, I mean, go there, I guess. If you haven't been there yet, you know, if you're going to interview people from Variant Edition and you hadn't been there, you would want to go check out the space. And then if you went to another comic store, because then, you, you, then you would compare and you would say, hey, what was different about that space and my interactions with the staff than if I go to a different place? And then, I mean, you can always throw it out on social media, too, Um which may be weird if it's a local person and they kind of see that you're asking about them. So it may be like you might have to do a little bit of research of sort of back backfilling, like, okay, who's mentioned them on Twitter? I'll DM that person or something and kind of get a sense of something. And um, it's it's a lot easier now with, with the internet and social media to find out a few nuggets like that. But again, if you're inviting them on because of your podcast and the things you talk about and they seem like they align with that, I think that's also a good a good first step that like from a traditional media background is not necessarily there because you may be told to go interview somebody or you're not sure why. So I think just having that and you're like controlling who you're talking to is a good, a little bit of research right there. Mm -hmm. Great kind of question. I interview a number of people and quite often what will happen is they have a great message to, to give us, but we know, you know, sometimes that they may have a challenge speaking when there's a microphone there and so one of the techniques that I've used is I'll ask them a very ask them some simple questions up front just to get them talking and then go into the more in-depth. Yeah. My question would be is do you have any techniques in terms of order of questions or I guess stacking the questions or some sequence that you use that might be efficient that you could help us with? Yeah, I think that's a really good plan that you've got going because the thing, you know, when you're in... I was in broadcast journalism, so it's not like a degree program or something. And this probably is sort of across the board for journalism's teaching is like, okay, when you want to sit down and do that 60-minute style interview, um, you do not open with the gotcha question because then all you have on camera or tape is 30 seconds of the person, you know, saying nope and leaving. Um, <laughs> that you have to ask all of the basic questions, all of the broad questions, all of the get comfortable questions first, for sure. And then you can edit some of that set up stuff out if you need to. Um, and I would say it's probably similar for like great conversations about particular topics, right? Because you want to get them kind of a little bit comfortable. And I mean, even the setting up uh, scenario, especially for people who are not familiar with recording equipment, um, which is still a lot of people, right? We get panelists every month on Capital Ideas, and some of these people are doing 
great things. They have really great, cool businesses. Uh, and it's the first time they've spoken in front of an audience. So it's getting them comfortable. So I think even getting them into your, your studio or whatever your recording space is, and they can see the microphone and they can get, you know, seated around it and you can explain how it works. So I sat down and we're talking about how this is, you know, great 360 recording microphone and that stuff. And you get the person kind of comfortable with how it's going to go. And you can say, I don't worry about the microphone. It's going to catch whatever. So just sit back, relax, you know, um, getting people comfortable in the recording space is great. If you're doing it, you know, by Skype or phone or other things, um, you can do some of that when you're like, oh, I'm just going to check levels. So, you know, tell me what you had for breakfast or tell me, you know, did you see, you know, that movie or or something that we're going to talk about? Or, you know, what did you think of the new the new iPhone or, you know, whatever, something that is kind of related to maybe this person. Um, But, yeah, that was always the thing in in journalism was always like, I'm going to set levels. Can you tell me your name and your title and spell your name for me? And then you actually are adjusting the levels. But that gets them kind of oh, this isn't going to start like really harsh. This is really easy. Um, And then, yeah, I think, you know, starting with those broader questions, even if it is a little bit of a feeling out still of who that person is and then getting into some more specifics, because then I think, and you've probably found this, by the time you're getting into the really specific questions and trying to tease out like the real kind of like opinion stuff, they're comfortable. They've been talking to you for a few minutes or, or 30 minutes so now they're like, you know, it's a conversation as opposed to starting like, you know, why do you hate this thing? <laughs> you might put them off and they're kind of like a little bit on edge. So I think it is like easing people in and getting them comfortable with either the surroundings or how it's going to work, like technically, um, and then also comfortable just talking with you and you're you know, hearing your voice and your cadence and, and just making sure that it does feel like, oh, we're just going to chat. You had a question. Yeah. Uh, if you go to an interview where you don't have a lot of background information on somebody, but you know enough that you kind of have some set questions you want to ask or some certain information you want to find out with some, about somebody, how do you balance, I guess what I call an agenda anxiety, with kind of having a nice flowing conversation that's kind of pleasing to listen to or that doesn't seem like really choppy, I guess? Yeah, I think the, the preparation point there would be like not memorizing your questions, but kind of having in your own mind, you know kind of what you're going to ask um, and why you're going to ask it because then if you're not continually like kind of looking down at your questions and, and taking notes, again, just keeping that engagement going where they feel like you're talking because um, I think especially for someone who's not familiar with recording something, if you keep checking your notes or making notes while they're talking, they, that might get them a little bit nervous or just kind of step them out of the conversation a little bit or they'll go to their like, those talking points we all have when I get asked that kind of question and it may not come across as very natural. Um, so I think it's, it's having some of those set questions, but just be willing to kind of be listening to the person as they talk. And if that takes you well off your questions, but it's a really interesting discussion, um, then that's great. And especially if it's something that's like, like Karen had said, live to tape, or you're going to do some editing that even if you end up with a completely different kind of conversation or story that you thought you were going into, that what you've got that ends up going to the audience kind of sounds really interesting and great. So I think it's all about finding those different points of preparation. Like, yes, if there can be some preparation of who you're going to interview, preparation of the recording space, and then just preparing yourself to have a conversation. Um, Because then if you're relaxed and kind of like willing to have a conversation, I think the other person will be. And I think if you're motivated by genuine curiosity, 
like you really actually want to know the answer <laughs> to yeah. the question <laughs> that helps and that comes through and that makes that your your subject feel like that you care what they have to say mm-hmm. one thing i've run into personally and i've also heard in other podcasts is when you ask questions and the person responding is very long-winded gets completely off topic and just goes off into the twilight zone like so, me <laughs> Not necessarily, but I'm just wondering what sort of tips and tricks have you learned over the years to kind of kind of bring them back on track and focus on what we're talking about? Because people love to tell stories. Yeah, and well, this is something that I would employ at Capital Ideas because we sort of say, okay, it starts just about noon or just afternoon, and we kind of promise the audience they'll be done by one, right, so they can go back to work or or whatever they need to. So I kind of do have to pay attention to the clock, which is okay because I have a radio background, which is very clock-driven, so uh, I can do that. And I think it's I think in that listening, that active listening, you can kind of, if you feel like they're kind of going on and now we're, we're way off like anything we really want to talk about or anything I kind of want to have in the podcast, um, it'll be listening for something. Something they say will be related to your list of questions, right? And you can be like, oh, I was going to ask about blah, right? right? And now you've kind of brought them back, but because it's something they said, I think most people would feel like you're listening. Even though once they start going off, you're kind of like thinking like, oh, okay, this is is going off. Okay. I'll see. Are they coming back? They're not coming back. Okay. Uh, Oh, there we go. They mentioned shoes. Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about, you know, where you bought your new shoes or something. So I think it's, I think listening um, can usually help you solve a lot of those problems. That's a really common issue. I've heard that a lot of podcasts like And I I think it probably happens more um, on Skype and with remote interviews than in person, right? Like you can. It's harder to step back in there because of that slight little disconnect, especially like yeah, Skype and things. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing you can do um, is edit. Yeah. Right. Once they start going off, like whether you brought them back eventually or they just ran out of steam talking and then you brought the conversation back uh, in that recording session uh, after the fact. I mean, you can kind of be like, there's a good edit point where they kind of answered the question and was sort of before they really got off in the weeds. And then the next thing the listener hears is your next question. I got one more tip that Mm -hmm. I always try to use myself is when you're preparing your questions, if you make them start with how, what, or why, you'll get a deeper answer usually. Um, If you ask questions that can be answered yes or no, a nervous guest will answer yes or no. Uh, A a talking point um, guest will answer the question they wanted to answer regardless of what you ask them. So how, what, and why are... Um, usually you'll get a full sentence. Yeah, you want to avoid, especially with people who you're not familiar with or are not familiar with themselves with recording, staying away from yes-nos. Because then even if you kind of get through some of those, that might be really hard to edit out. Yeah. Um, Especially if a couple of those you kind of even wanted to know the yes-no to, now you got to leave them in. And you don't want the audience to be left feeling like your guest is not a great expert or your guest is not a great conversationalist. Um, if they're already listening, then they like you. Um, you want to make sure that the guests feel comfortable and that the audience would really like hearing from that guest, which then reflects great on you. And, um, and the other thing that's, that sort of triggered me talking about like the way to ask questions is to try and avoid, I, I still have this problem sometimes, uh, asking more than one question at once. 
Um, if you ask more than one question at once, people will either fall into the talking point, uh, answer the, the way they want to or the thing they want to, or they'll answer usually the last one you asked. And usually when you're asking like a double question at a time, it's actually the first one you probably actually want answered. Um, so trying to avoid like a double question or a triple question, which I think I fall more into if I feel like I'm trying to get a conversation back on track or I'm not quite sure how to ask this next question. And then I kind of like start giving examples of other ways they can answer it. And then they'll answer usually like the last thing they hear. And if you really wanted the first thing answered, then you missed that. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Hey, very thanks much. guys. So the underdogs of comedy.com is Jeff's excellent web series. Go check it out. You will laugh. Um, I'm pretty sure you will. And you can subscribe to the Capital Ideas podcast to hear about a year's worth of Jeff's interviews with local podcasters. And if you go even further back, you'll hear me. Um, and pretty soon you'll hear a new voice a because new voice, you've got yeah. a new community manager on. So we'll get to hear Elise interview the people. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Seen and Heard in Edmonton podcast. You'll find links that we mentioned in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com, and you can subscribe to the newsletter there as well. With summer coming and a lot of other ventures on the go, I'm going to change up the schedule a little bit. If you're listening to this in June of 2016 when I released it, there will be a new podcast next week, and after that it will come out every two weeks. The blog roundup and podcast roundup will take a break this week and will come out every two weeks after that. And the newsletter will probably come out every two weeks too, but I'll send an extra if I've got important stuff to tell you. Our next meetup will be held at Variant Edition on June 19th at 1 p.m. Search for Edmonton Podcasting Meetup and sign up. I'll be back in a week and then every two weeks. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 